What if your faith could become more than just a story? What if your faith could be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent? What if your faith could become as bold as a lion? What if your faith could become lethal? My name is Blake Harris, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Michael Knight. And here on the Lethal Faith Podcast, we're here to give your faith some lethality. Hey guys, we're back on another exciting uh, Lethal Faith podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about something today that uh, we've all heard and talked about, um, and it's all over the internet now. If you're on any type of social media, you're going to hear about some of the things we're going to talk about today. Uh, and it's probably something you've even talked about with your own family and in some cases, this can completely even divide families, I've seen. Uh, and I've seen it divide our own personal friends of mine. And it's really intriguing, uh, the conversation we're going to have today. And what we're going to be talking about is philosophies. And it's not like the philosophies like what you're thinking about either. This isn't Aristotle where we're going to be talking about who is man and what is man's purpose. We're really going to be talking about the your worldview, as some people would call it, and basically the lenses in which uh, we kind of see the world and the way we view it. Um, so we're going to kick it off here and really what is starting this conversation is the summer of 2020 and really what happened uh, in 2020 and, and, and what happened with like Black Lives Matter there. Uh, we're going to be talking about things like the coronavirus. We're going to be talking about um, democratic socialism. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things like that today. So I'm pretty excited about this one. You know what? I am too. And listen, Lethal Lethal Faith family, do not tune us out in the next three podcasts because if you can put your arms, or more appropriate, your mind around the next four podcasts, counting this one, then you're going to be able to go into any any, uh, subject matter problem in our university today and be able to dissect it in a way through a biblical worldview, if you gain the tools we're going to do in the next four podcasts. And what we're going to do today is give a 30,000-foot overview. We're not going to try to be Aristotle, which Mm -hmm. I kind of like Aristotle because he said all men by nature desire to know. Mm -hmm, That's right. And so I desire by nature to know. And that's where we're at. If you think about, Blake, the summer of 2020, I mean, you have the LGBTQ flag flying. You've got the transgender flag, which they have their own flag now, which represents something a lot different than what the LGBTQ uh, flag represents in many ways. You have the Black Lives Matter flag. And we're not here to say this is right, this is wrong, on defund the police or Antifa. We'll get to that. What we want to do today is just you to get your hands around just how many different philosophies are floating out there, these worldviews. Now, Blake, it kind of started simple. It 
kind of started with the subject of you mentioned already, Aristotle, metaphysics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, Aristotle is great. You know, metaphysics, of course, is the study of existence of what is real. You know, am I real? You know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, did it actually produce a sound? Those types of things, you know. So it, it, it's very intriguing where philosophies actually start. It's really gone a long way since Aristotle because you've got epistemology, which is the study of knowledge. And when you think about philosophy, philosophy means the love of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It actually means the study of knowledge. And I love this definition, Blake. Thinking about thinking. Thinking about thinking. It's kind of being like conscience about your conscience. <laughs> You know, and so which makes us different than the animals because my dog that farts in the living room <laughs> has no self conscious whatsoever. But you and I are conscious, conscious because we're conscious. We're conscious that we're conscious. That's right. We're aware that we're unaware or that we are aware. And animals are not like that, only human beings. That's right. Uh, so, you know, we got uh, metaphysics, epistemology. We got ethics, the study of action. What should I do? You know, which is something I really love. I always, um, I, I love this, uh, the subject of uh, philosophies and ethics, because, you know, if you see someone, um, you know, being murdered and you stepped in and you ended up. Uh, hurting the individual e- extremely badly or, or they actually die in the process. Did you commit murder too? You know? And so like it has these huge connotations to it. And so I, I love that, that study of that ethics there. And so I just kind of ran away from the world uh, today and I went to see the movie respect about the life of Aretha Franklin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know so much about her. I have admire her so much, but I didn't know her dad was a very, very, very famous preacher. I knew he was a pastor, really? but I didn't know he was famous. I didn't know that he, uh, worked alongside and was one of the closest friends to Dr. Martin Luther King, but that movie and everyone needs to see it. Cause it's such an uplifting movie about faith and coming mm-hmm. home. Um, and, Reconstructing. Everybody's talking about the deconstruction yeah, of faith. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's about that movie is about the reconstruction of faith when the world didn't satisfy, when the what we thought was truth really wasn't truth. Yeah, there's two sides of that coin, lethal faith family. But looking at that movie through the eyes of ethics, I want you to go see it and then tell me what you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I will. But then again, one of the other original aims or philosophies is to answer politics, the study of society, what is allowed, and what is not allowed. What is right? What is wrong? And then you have aesthetics like art, which, Blake, I'm always amazed at how apples all try to be like each other. Trees hate uh, being imbalanced. They'll yeah. move out of their ways to be uh, straight. Uh, just the role of aesthetics in, in nature. That's pretty cool. I, I didn't think of it that way. Trees move out of their way to be straight. That's pretty fascinating. So we're dealing with a summer of thoughts. And Blake... Uh, um, it's very important for our lethal faith family to really understand that what we're really wrestling with yes. is principalities and darknesses of the air and spiritual wickednesses in high places. The, and the Bible says that these power structures, I don't have time to get into that kind of a deep exegesis, but the power structures, the ark in the Greek, actually set themselves up in institutions. It's in the form of thinking, mm-hmm. in the form of philosophies. In other words, Christianity is a worldview. 
Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, the the worldview, you know, has always been, uh, A, I know just throughout my interactions with people of faith, like, worldview is not something a lot of churches even talk about, <laughs> you know. Uh, I can remember, like, being in Florida and people being introduced to worldviews and, and, and having a biblical worldview, and people would be like, what? What's a worldview? You know, people had no idea, even though we live with a worldview all of our lives, people have no idea where that thinking even comes from. And most Christians that I ran into don't even have a biblical worldview. No. You know, not what even, is a biblical worldview? You know, a biblical worldview is that you see the lens through through the Bible itself. So if the Bible says you know, to, to God created male and female. Yes, exactly. You know, if God created male and female, then that's what you actually believe. And you actually believe it in your mind and your heart, you know? And so, uh, you know, that's pretty simple, uh, as far as when it comes to biblical worldview, but there are many different, uh, worldviews used to, there was like seven major worldviews oh. out there, but now, you know, like we're talking about today, they've expanded drastically over the past, man, I would say five years. They have like Boom! Oh, you know, unbelievable. I mean, just take and we're not here to definitively say this is right, this is wrong today. We're here, Blake and I are here with the Lethal Faith family to help you to begin to understand that what you're wrestling against isn't necessarily what you think you're wrestling against. You're not wrestling against sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> you're not wrestling against uh, cultural relevance. Yeah. You're wrestling against a philosophy that is competing against the body of Christ, and Blake and I are going to prove that. In the first two. So if you look at the summer of 2020, you have Black Lives Matter. Now, here's what we know about Black Lives Matter. They are trained Marxists, which means they're communist. They are uh, rooted in the LGBTQ and transgender community. We know that the uh, president just bought four, what, $3 million homes. Yeah, and then another that. person just uh, has been put in jail for raising money for the organization and then pocketed it, and the government went looking for this person. You can say the same about a church somewhere. Yep. You can say the same about anyone else. But what we know is that in their values, Blake, and they took it down, but on their websites, yes, they um, and I've read probably 10 books just to prepare for this new series, and I'm not, we're not done yet. Um on their website, when Black Lives Matters first started, they literally said that we exist for the destruction of the nuclear family. Yeah, that's right. You know, I I remember like I actually saw that on ESPN. I had no idea. I had there's a guy, an anchor on ESPN, and he starts talking about Black Lives Matter and how it's for the destruction of the nuclear family. And I thought, what? And so I went and looked it up on their website, and I was like, holy cow. It says it. It, it said it right then and there. And then, like you said, you know, now they've taken it down, you know, because they obviously don't want people to know. Um, well, what does that mean for you and I? It means that they want to destroy Lethal Faith Family, the idea of a mom and a dad yeah. raising children as a family unit. That's right. You know, and I couldn't believe it. When, when I read that, I like screenshotted it and I sent it to a couple of my friends who who were kind of um, thinking that uh, they wanted to kind of join in with that movement, you know. And I thought, 
Man, no, something's up with yeah, this. I love you know, the name. That's right. We all want to jump on board with that, right? We, mm-hmm. we want to stand up for those who have been oppressed. It, that's mm-hmm. part of our that's nature. Right. That's right. Uh, it's the Christian call. That's right. To stand up for injustice since the time of Moses. That's right. You know, so we're like, well, yeah, we can get on board with that. And then, you know, you really look into it, you know, and like I said, I screenshotted this and I sent it to my friends and I was like, yo, mm-hmm. we need to look at this. There, there's careful. something else going on here, you know, and so it was a... Uh, Man, it was an eye-opening experience. So, it's, oh, that's so true, Blake. And then in this world, and we're just trying to give you a 30,000-square-foot view today, um, you have what Oprah said, and I like Oprah. Uh, her bus driver attended our church mm-hmm. uh, and, and talked very highly of her, and yeah. I think she's a good woman looking for truth. Absolutely. But she says your truth. Yes. She uses that, well, you need to speak your truth. Mm-hmm. You watch the uh, transgender uh, philosophy or the LGBT philosophy or the pansexual philosophy or anybody but Christians and Jews, mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, I got to speak my truth. I got to talk about my truth. Yeah, that's right. You know, or some people will even phrase it like, you know, what's true for you isn't always necessarily true for me. Which is postmodernism. That's right. You know, and uh, truth is subjective. And really, you know, like I even encountered that at work uh, not too long ago. You know, I was talking to a guy, and he's like, man, you're really into this, you know, Christian thing, you know. (laughs) And I was like. It's called a relationship. (laughs) You know, and I thought, I said, yeah, you know, I'll just go along with him. I said, yeah, I am, you know. Means you must be living it at work. And uh, and he starts talking to me. He was like, man, I just don't know if if that's true, you know. And, Mm -hmm. like, you know, he. He, he starts going off on, like, all these things about, like, what he thought was actually true. And, like, this guy was, like, he pulled, like, things from, like, all kinds of other religions. And, like, he started talking about string theory and, and all this other stuff. And I kind of thought, well, this doesn't necessarily – I looked at him and said, do you know what you believe? You know, I, I, I said, do you really know? He said, well, yeah, that's what I believe. He said, but it's just – it may not be true for you. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. If what Blake is saying is brilliant. I get excited when I hear him talk about that because we're going to get to that. Probably it could. this could be five or six podcasts, okay? We're just saying four today. But the, they're going through, uh, many young adults and many people are going through what's called a deconstruction of faith. And we'll get to that, not today, but eventually. And the deconstruction of faith is rooted in deconstructionism, which is rooted in postmodernism. Yeah. You cannot have knowable truth. Yeah. Uh, it drives me nuts, you know. Oh, good, me too. <laughs> so your truth is what? In other words, what's right for you may not be right for me. What's wrong for you may not be wrong for me. Mm-hmm. Everything from pre-marital, premarital sex to smoking a joint this afternoon. That's right. And then you look at things like feminism, which are really old. Mm-hmm. The philosophy of feminism. Feminism started in the church. That's right. That's with the, Christian people. That's the one that blows my mind the most is that, you know, modern feminists, they stand up and they bash the church oh, saying they that. bash more in the church. You know, but they, they're bashing the church they saying. They bash the male genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. You know? It's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You know, but they stand up and, and they call us an archaic religion and that we've, we've promoted males. And all I can think is like, is Jesus himself entrusted women first with the gospel that he had risen from the dead? He didn't entrust it first to men, but to women. Oh, we can talk all day about that. I mean, just look at Mary Magdalene. That's right. What archaeologists are finding out about Mary Magdalene, it'll come out in the new book, Lethal Faith Number 2, in September. What they're finding out about Mary Magdalene is incredible. I 
toured uh, Magdala, which is her city, mm-hmm. uh, with an archaeologist, and they now know. I mean, she was not just some kind of groupie. Yeah, Blake. She was revered as a leader in the first century. Yeah, that's right. And then we've—that's a—that's another conversation <laughs> for right. another day. But feminism started out with saying, you know what, a man that works and a woman that works the same job should be paid equal. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that feministic approach. Mm-hmm. I agree with that absolutely. I agree that women should vote. I agree that women are as smart as men. I agree with all of those things. That's right. And so a lot of truth is always lethal faith family and Blake. There it's always mixed up in a lot of heresy. There's truth and heresy. Does a black life matter? You better dang skippy it matters. Yes. Is justice something that God has called all of us to to help the oppressed? You better bet. Is there institutional racism? There sure is. Did I have and do I have an advantage because I'm a white male and raised up by a father that had 350 employees? Yes, that doesn't make me a bad guy. And that doesn't make me a racist either. Okay, but at the same time, there's truth in all of these things. But then again, it's that lie, just like where feminism is today, where they hate masculinity. Mm -hmm. They even create their own language now, toxic masculinity, as if men were bad. And they act as if they don't need men. Well, let Mm -hmm. me tell you something. You got to go all the way back to the beginning. And this podcast firmly believes that the Word of God is the Word of God. Absolutely. Now, the problem and the issue and the, and the challenge is hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, we believe it's the Word of God. And we believe God created male and female and that a male needs a female and a female needs a male. We were created to be together. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Yeah, and all of this is rooted in, in deconstructionism, which deconstructionism is hard to define. It was started by a French philosopher, probably around Yale University. And what deconstructionism is, is a breaking down or the analyzing of a text versus the meaning. And so it, it, its result is it criticizes language. In other words, the meaning of the text. And it denies absolute truth. You cannot really know truth in deconstructionism. Uh, there's no big story. There's no God that saves the universe. Mm-hmm. There's no absolute truth. And what's happening amongst some evangelicals, I was reading it before you came into the office today, Blake, some evangelicals are dumb enough to actually begin to talk about how I need to deconstruct my faith. Deconstruct it over the issue of abuse, deconstruct it with hermeneutics, deconstruct it on some things, yes, but deconstruct it on the infallibility of God's word, no. Yeah, you know, and and deconstructionism is really what is permeating a lot of our Christian leaders. Uh, You know, we see it all the time in Christian news and all that, you know, we see well, this leader no longer believes in the faith, you know, or, you know, they've taken something that they've they've questioned at some point, and then all of a sudden they go down some huge rabbit trail, and then they wind up, and they come out and they say, hey, I no longer believe in Jesus. I watched a, a YouTube video of, I, I wish I could remember this lady's name, but she was a a pastor of a, of a very large mega church, like five, six, 7,000 people. And she talks about how, while she was her and her 
uh, husband were pastoring this church that she began to have doubts about God. And she went through this whole process of trying to figure out, is God real? Does he really exist? You know, and, and she just began to question ultimately the infallibility of God's word. And she was like, you know, but the Bible would say this, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, you know? And so she went through this process of, okay, I no longer believe this. So if I don't believe this, then X, Y, Z can't be true also. And so throughout time, she just deconstructed her own faith throughout with what? With other philosophies of this world. Yeah. Well, it's like there's truth in that. And then there's a lie in that. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well said. When you take progressivism, someone were to ask me, are you a progressive Christian? Now, before anyone tampers with the deconstruction <laughs> of that word, yeah. where there's an assumption about certainty, yes. you know, they fall in on their own arguments, what happens. Mm -hmm. But am I a progressive Christian? Yes, I yeah. am a progressive Christian. But am I progressive and my progressive theologian? Now, that's a different story. Uh -huh. There you have truth and you have a little bit of lie. So when we talk about progressivism, it's a multifaceted philosophy advocating progress and change. Hey, I can sign up for that. Mm -hmm. But progressive work towards what they hope will be better conditions and implement um, in their politics and their religion a liberalism. Yeah. To be progressive, to be modern, cultural, contextually astute is one thing. To be progressive to the point that we now don't honor God's word. And Blake, you just said it. Blake just said it perfectly. We can shut down all five podcasts for those that are Christians. And we're, we could be done with this if we didn't want to teach you how to win people and go into this world. Yeah. But the, the idea that when we lose the foundation that God's word is God's word. Now, yeah. listen, that's an assumption for many of you mm -hmm. that I'm having right now. But then you go to science. And you see what archaeology has proven about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. You go and look the fact that the man who was claiming to be God separated history from B.C. to A.D. You go and look at art. You go and look at culture. You go and look at economics. You go and look at academics. You go and look at um, every kind of thing underneath the sun from business to commerce to ethics to, to, to women's rights to the rights of children the rights of, of, of children not to work and be slaves at 12 in the coal mines. Yeah. It all goes back to Christianity. I told you so. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> so progressivism has a nice sound to it, but at the end of the day, a lot of progressive people, especially in the age of, uh, of uh, Europe and, and Western civilization, has actually bought into the age of enlightenment, that man is the greatest creation. Yeah. You know, I, you know, talk about pro progressivism and all that. I, I saw today it, it was it was broadcast across on, on Fox News, um, but it said that they were trying to do away with the uh, word uh, breastfeeding uh, for for women, and they wanted to call it uh, parent the parents who were lactating milk. Like they just wanted to. You know, and these I'm, are people who are drinking Coca Cola in the 1870s. Yeah. <laughs> it had cocaine in it, or 1889. You know, I, I, it was just funny because, like, yeah, a friend of mine, like, 
made a comment about it and said, and she's as liberal as they get, you know, and she was like, even this is crazy, you know? Well, you know, just look at Afghanistan and the things yes. going on. Oh. Even the liberals know that this is wrong. Yes. Ultra liberal people are going, hold on, something's not right here. It amazes me when we get to the word humanism, the humanism was started by Christians. Yeah. And what secular humanism has uh, grown to become is just laughable. But at the same time, if you have if you have respect for the human spirit, which I do as an evangelical intellectual charismatic, um, I know that you don't leave 15,000 American people along with the people who risk their life and their families to be slaughtered yes. by the Taliban. And so when we look at progressivism, you got to be careful because progressivism is is where you gain empirical knowledge and it's thought to be the foundation of progressive society. Now, does science matter? You better bet. But are, are, are all things knowable? No. no. You can't know everything. Because if there's a God that is above our intellectual thinking, then there's going to be some things we don't know. And, Blake, that's why one of the greatest gifts in your Christian walk is going to be ambiguity. Yeah, you know, I... I when you talk about God being uh, above us and thought and all that, I remember when we did that podcast with Chris Montgomery over cosmology, and he started talking about how God was in like the 28th or 29th dimension. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't even know what this guy's talking about, <laughs> you know? But, you know, like, because uh, he, he was talking about, you know, we live in like this 3D, you know, 4D world, but we actually are acknowledging of like the fifth dimension, you know, and all this stuff. And I remember thinking, what? In the world is this guy talking about? I had no idea, but I was completely fascinated by it. You know, I, till this day, like I've looked it up some, I still don't know what the heck he was talking about, you know, but it was incredible. But, you know, back to what you're saying, we can't know everything. You know what, Chris Montgomery, that guy knows his stuff yes, when it comes out. He He's a global director for our <laughs> grid uh, brand. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, that's a great thing that Blake just said. If you're the smartest person in the room, change rooms. Yeah, and there true. are days that you need to be in a room, and many of you are uncomfortable because we're talking about philosophies. And we're going to keep it simple, stupid, K-I-S-S, not you're, you're not stupid. <laughs> the attache, keep it simple, stupid. That's what we stupid people are trying to do, is, is to really keep it simple so we can understand, because we're going to get into how you spot a lie. And a lie is something really, really simple that sounds really, really good. We're going to get into exegesis and hermeneutics on what the scripture actually says about the vapors that we're all sucking in every day when we look at the news or read a magazine. You know, when we get to that, I've got a great quote from Smith Wigglesworth about that. That's right. Be good. <laughs> then there's conservatives. In conservatism, there are people who are conservative in their values about the social institutions of the family, about balancing a checkbook, about government responsibility, mm -hmm. government staying out of people's business and being here to protect and provide an overarching protection um, that aren't Christians. Yeah. So there's many people who have a conservative view, but a conservative view uh, about social institutions sometimes mm -hmm. And about other things actually lines up with the word of God in some ways. Yeah. You know, talking about conservatism, you know, this is one that actually kind of bothers me a little bit when it comes to the church world, uh, especially in America. Because we have, uh, like you were saying, a lot of conservative values line up with biblical values. Uh, unfortunately, what I've begun to see is that we we're trying to preserve our conservative values 
um, while disregarding the Bible, especially as Christians, we have said so we are we are conservatives, and, and that is that is who they are. They are it's like they're no longer Christians uh, uh, about it, you know, uh, and so. That really bothers me about what what we're beginning to see in America. Some people are calling it, um, I think they're calling it nationalism, you know. And so that, that kind of bothers me about where Christianity is kind of going at the moment. And I think every person listening needs to be very careful. Yeah. Because if you go to the sociological literature and academics and journals, you will see a clear bias against conservative Christians in the sociological journals. And if you go Google the word conservative... Do you realize that one of the adjective definitions is that you're adverse to change? I don't know any any conservative that's adverse to change in, in the way that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Adverse to change in family, adverse to change in the fact of social institutions and rights to free speech and rights to have property. You know, I think the church needs a real understanding of what it means to have biblical values then you get into identity politics. What do you think about that? Uh, man, it, it, it's crazy to think about identity po- politics. You know, th- this they're completely undermining, undermining uh, everything that other agendas have stood for. You know, feminism, they're completely undermining that with identity politics. Um, it, and so it, it's... Uh, Dude, it is wild. I don't even know how to explain it because it, I, I'm, I'll get on a soapbox. I start going off about identity politics. But, you know, they, they want to identify us all as um, as a – just separate everybody as a race or separate people by ages or sex or, or, or whatever else. And, and that's a that's a scary thing, you know. Yeah, it is. They want to separate us by ethnicity, um, whether you're black or whether you're Hispanic or whether you're Polynesian, or whether you're gay, whether you're Christian, whether you're Jewish, whether you're evangelical, whether you're white, whether you are black. And that's what breaks my heart. Identity mm-hmm. politics is absolutely destroying this country because when you get into identity politics, and this is one of the bad things about identity politics, are there is ethnicity and our identity and our ethnicity important? Absolutely, it is. Mm-hmm. The Bible even says in the Book of Revelation that you will never lose your ethnicity. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of Christians don't understand. But when you separate people based on you're black and I don't trust you, or you're white and I don't trust you because you're white, then what happens is that there's no conversation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, on top of that, you know, they they say if you're white. You, you vote this way. Or if you're black, you vote this way. You know, and, and, and that I, I don't like either because you're telling us, well, don't even think about it. You, we don't want you to think. Just, just do as we, we're telling you to do because if you're, if you're white, well, then this is how you're going to vote, and that's just all there is to it. Yeah, or even sexual orientation. Listen, when did sex become our identity? I don't go around with a T-shirt that says, hey, I'm a heterosexual. I don't mean yeah. any disrespect by that, mm-hmm. but when did our gender become a, uh, an identity? When we don't find our identity in Christ, then we yeah. are forced to find it in race, which is not a subject in the Bible. Race actually means you're of another race, and a black man and a white man, like Dr. Michael Reynolds brilliantly says in his book about we still haven't got it right about race, 
is um, the fact that race, saying that you're a different race, means that you are a not of the same species as I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I mean, you were there Sunday, Dr. Michael Reynolds spoke yeah. on, on, on this subject, on race, and how do we answer the question of race? And I, I love genealogy, I love history. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always known that mulatto meant you were black and white. I never knew that mulatto, uh, mulatto, which was what you're called in the senses after the Civil War and during the Civil War and before the Civil War, mm-hmm. that meant you were black and white, which it meant you were a mule, must try it. Because a, a mule is a different race than a horse. Mm-hmm. And so they called them mulattoes because they were calling them mules. And what they were calling black and white human beings was that you're not of the same race we are. That's right. This is not a race war because there isn't a race with the human race. We are all God's children and we are all created in his image, black, white, purple, I don't care what. And so when we divide, when we don't find our identity, Blake, in Christ, then there's a real problem. We're forced to find our identity in gender. We're forced to find our identity in sexual orientation or in what we think is race or Mm -hmm. ethnicity or uh, education or disability or veteran status or or language or professions or even go, go all the way down to... Uh, finding your identity and whether you're a skateboarder or whether you're a goth or whether you're a 70s rock or whether you're country. Uh, 80s rock, please. Uh, Journey, thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, really identity politics is about separating. You know, it, it takes us all and it separates us out and says we want you divided amongst yourselves. That's right, and that's why God is against it. Do you realize mm-hmm. that the Bible says in the Old Testament, do not consider, do not join a mob that's going to hurt another human being? Mm-hmm. We've got to get back to valuing human beings for being human. And I, that goes for evangelical Christians with everyone you disagree with. Yes. That goes to valuing someone in the LGBT community, valuing someone that's Muslim, valuing the human life of a Buddhist, valuing the human life of an atheist, valuing the human life of everyone because God created them in his image. Yeah. And we have to start there, that the human experience, the sh- true humanism mm-hmm. is that God created us in his image. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The Bible says he's created you a little lower than the angel. One angel killed, what, 100,000 people with the jawbone of a donkey in the Bible? Yep. And so identity politics scares me mm-hmm. because it doesn't have a conversation to it. I'm pitting one person against another. And that is not God's will for his people. He has called us, according to 1 Corinthians 15, to be reconcilers, to reconcile lost people back to God. And, Blake, I want to encourage everybody. Listen, in September, as we close and get ready for the um, uh, see them next week, I want to encourage everyone uh, to stay tuned, to share this on your social media, and realize that we're at 30,000 feet, and next week we're going to be at 30,000 feet again, and it's probably going to be about six or seven broadcasts for this one because it is so important that people understand this. It's important that they have a, a worldview that is distinctively Christian, and so we're going to start at 30,000 square feet again because we still got a lot of ground to cover. And then we're going to go down and we're going to define these things based on certain little categorical representations. But next week, I hope to get to the point where we're going to go to the Word of God because that's where truth starts, the Word of God. So what does God's Word say to us about 
these philosophies? How do we respond in these last days and these last hours? And then make sure uh, that you go to neverbefore.tv and that you sign up for our newsletters. You can uh, go to neverbeforeco at gmail.com and send an email there and ask to be on the parent newsletter to, where we train parents to know how to answer these questions with their kids and then also mm-hmm. other questions like, you know, biblical authority and archaeology and science and cosmology and naturalism. And then you can do the same thing as a church leader, whether you're a pastor, a youth pastor, an elder, or a Sunday school teacher. And then we have students that are coming in the the fall. And then one last thing, Blake, we are going to be in Orlando, Florida, launching part of what we do at The Grid, which is our national, our global relational network, January the 29th, and we're looking for 30 youth pastors. It's free, but you got to sign up. And we are going to build a relationship and make sure you don't feel alone anymore. The room will be filled of fathers, men yeah. and women who have been in youth ministry for 30, 40 years to do nothing but love on you. And so that's in Orlando, Florida, and uh, more details about that coming, buddy. Absolutely. Hey, if you're a youth pastor, you don't want to miss that. I'll never forget being a youth pastor and sitting in my office. And I remember sitting there for days wondering what in the world am I supposed to do? And so if you're a youth pastor, that's something you don't want to miss. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And as always, keep it lethal.